Maybe you know him as a world-renowned DJ. Maybe you know him as a world-renowned dancer. Or just Rudy's brother. However you know him, you do not want to miss this interview with Marcus Hom on Off the Floor, Episode 3. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor, a podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lionel. Because you kind of live like a dual identity, like you've got this on the dance floor and like off the dance floor life, and uh, and you're really established in both. So, so why don't you tell just the listeners a little bit about um, about that that dual identity that you have, and and uh, and we'll start there. Yeah. So first of all, he- he- hello everybody. Um, yeah, very glad to be here. And yes, it's true. I've been I've been dancing first of all. Obviously, obviously that was the the first thing I did in my life. I started when I was 12 years old. And I was dancing 23 years up until uh, we retired from competitive dancing. So that was a big, big part of my life. From the time when I was 16, 17, I always was interested in music. My my father used to play in a band. And so we, we kind of grew up backstage. Music was always a big part in, in the family. But with the dancing, of course, it wasn't it was, it was not really possible to do anything because you were practicing seven, seven days a week and there was just no time. When I was 15, 16, 17, I started to go out in Europe and went to clubs. And I really got into clubbing music, electronic music. And um, back in those days, there was no YouTube. There was no SoundCloud or anything like this. You had to buy literally vinyl to listen to club music at home. So that's what I did. And only, late, only later on, when I was 18, 19, I started to buy a second turntable and slowly got into the whole, whole electronic music DJ thing but there was no plan behind it i just did it for myself and um, there was a time 2004 i moved to russia because i had a partner from moscow so i moved there and of course for 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 a foreign guy in in moscow it's not easy because you don't understand the language you can't watch tv so what (laughs) i did i i I learned a music production software called logic to learn the production of it it took a long time i was sitting at home and um, everything sounded terrible for a year (laughs) it was just horrible you know (laughs) <laughs> but I did it. I, I I was in practice. Then I came home. Like I said, you couldn't couldn't watch TV. You couldn't do anything. So I just sit down, read books. Um, at that time, we had YouTube. So I tried to learn as much as I can and slowly got into it because I was interested. How is music done? Mm. And um, two years later, three years later, I had my first release on some um, record labels from Europe. And wow. the way how it works is that other... Other DJs, if the stuff is good, they start to buy your music. And uh, if they like it, they will play it, of course, and they, they will buy it. And if, if they like the style and the music you do, they start to book you they, or they would like to have you playing at their club. And that's how it slowly started. So then I, you know, I got into an, an agency in Berlin where I'm still right now. Wow. And they, and they do the booking for the DJing. I do the rest with the dancing and it works. How, how do you feel like dancing kind of equipped you and to be so successful on like the DJ side of things? Well, the first thing I, I think what, what helped me is once I got into music production, all you do, you're creating rhythms, you're creating grooves, you're creating themes of the track. So you do analyze a lot of music and that's what you do in practice too. In high level dancing, you analyze music and you try to find a way through technique to show it in your body. That's basically what every, everybody is trying to do. It doesn't matter what level everybody's doing is, is trying to do that because I think that is what dancing is about. So it definitely helped me to understand first of all music a lot better. And um, in practice, I think, or let's say the other way around, what helped me within the music scene, it helped me to stay disciplined, which I definitely learned in dancing. I started to go out, I have friends, they 
Sunday afternoon they're still in the club. They're still somewhere <laughs> on open air somewhere. And I would be the one going home because I know on Monday I have to go to practice. Oh god. And they're like, No, just stay, it's great. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, I know it's great, but I still have to go. <laughs> so kind of it really helped me to stay on track and to to make it you know, to make it work, everything. Because in the end of the day it's also the music, unfortunately, it's also business side. And if you're just having a good time and life is just a party, it doesn't really work. You have to be disciplined. You can't suddenly miss flights and oh sorry, I had a good time partying. I don't I don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work like this. It doesn't work for me. So far, touch wood, in my, what is it, 20 years of, soon tra of traveling experience, I've never missed a flight. Wow. So I'm really, I'm really happy about that because I really don't like to let people down. If I tell them I will be there, I'm there. So I really try, you know, to keep that promise. And I, th that goes for music and for dancing. And I definitely learned the side in the dancing because you have to be reliable and you have to be, um, yeah, you have to. You have to keep your keep your word. If you say you come to participate at a competition, you have to be there. Yeah, well, that's so good. So you know how like with dancing, you'll have maybe new choreography or, or something and you'll have, you know, this point of view that you're going to be presenting for like maybe a season of competitions. Are you doing the same thing? Like, are you putting together sets well in advance? And like how much of that pre-production work are you doing? And then like how often are you changing it up? Um, the pre-production is done the music I create. So if I'm if I'm having a release on a certain music label, it starts in the, in the studio. So I'm doing a track. Like on Tuesday, I, did, I finished the track. That track, first of all, decided by the feel and the style which I like, and that goes on onto onto the record companies, and they're gonna release it. But talking about the next Saturday when I'm playing in Switzerland, I don't know what I'm gonna play there. Not right now. Of course, I have my set. I have my, have the music I have been playing for the last three, four, five gigs, for example. Yeah. So I would go there. It depends, first of all, where do you play? Is it a small club with 200 people or is it a club with 1,500 people? Sound already is changing. Wow. Or is it an outdoor you play with uh, 2,000 or 3,000 people? It's, it's it's a different sound. So you're saying like just vibing off the group or are you talking like acoustically, like it sounds way better for me to play these kinds of tracks because it's 1,500 people and it's outdoors. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it depends, first of all, what time are you playing on? Let's say if I'm playing from 2 to 5, it's a slight different sound than if I would play in the beginning from 10 to 1 for example got it also it depends a little bit who plays before you what kind of sound does the guy play before you because you can't really cut it can't believe can't really be that different got it also sometimes compare it in the dance world with dresses or with shows you have sometimes events where certain dresses they work fantastic yeah that's maybe it's maybe a small intimate competition with 400 people or then you have some of your great events which is massive and dresses they have a different effect on different floors and different ballrooms so i think also good dancers they are very much aware of that when blackpool comes up our biggest competition which i'm sure everybody knows about there is different dresses which which uh, the dancers prepare for that yeah and um are slightly different in terms of how they look and the design they're a bit more elegant maybe more stones more a bit more flashy and the, it works great there but if you're on an intimate competition somewhere else it may be it's slightly too much it's, it's a similar thing sometimes with music too so when you have that deep connection to the music as a dj and you know every hook and chorus do you feel like it gave you a different vantage point when you go back into the studio kind of knowing what you know have you as, as you've kind of like surgically gone through music that you 
have? Yes, I think I, I really think that that is a combination. I definitely come very much from the rhythmical and the, the mechanical side. I always like that, analyzing the music and then trying to find a way to show that in my body as as good as possible. That's so cool. So, and then was there a moment where somebody or somebody that kind of kept you on the right track? Like you talked about how disciplined you were and you knew that you had to be there on Monday, but like maybe before you were doing that all kind of on your own, was there like a, a person that kept you on the on the straight and narrow? Yes, of course. I think at first it kind of starts a lot with the parents. I think that's number one. Like um, I remember at the time, um, coming back to when I was 12 years old, I just started to dance, but I also liked music. So I had a tryout at a drum school. So I had a drum lesson. Mm. My, 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 dad, my father was with me. And then afterwards, he made me decide. So there was no option to do both. Mm. You do one. You do one. 100% and not 50% both. So make, you know, make a decision what you want to do. Uh, my brother, who obviously everybody knows in the Asimere world, <laughs> so he did the same. So we both started um, only do, only doing dan doing dancing. So this was our first introduction to it. Later on, I think we were both lucky that we had good teachers and that they told us without pressure or violence or anything, <laughs> it just made you understand that if you want to make it, you know, there is uh, certain things you have to do. Most importantly, if you lose, then you get up and try again. Because everybody has that. There comes difficult times. You lose. You don't know why. Don't understand it. Judges don't like me. World is terrible. Yeah. And a year, and then a year later, everything is great. Um, <laughs> and I really understand. And I really learned that sometimes you just have to, you just have to hold on and keep going. And because there is a lot of other competitors, they are maybe mentally weaker than you. And they maybe stop. So you just have to keep going. Um, but I remember at a time when in Europe, in Germany, we had um, a selection of uh, within the youth up to 18 years old, a selection of the best kids. And there was about 40 couples. And we were at the time, we were really one of the worst ones. It was, we were 14 years old. And there was already young couples. They've been in the final, they've been in the in world's final, German champions and so on. Out of all those 40 couples today, there is only two still in dancing. The rest wow. disappear. Wow. So, and of course, it was very impressive to us to see all these great dancers. But judging by today, they're all gone. And some of them were really talented. So something along the way made them stop. I don't know what it is. So in the end, I'm, that's something I really learned that when difficult times come, you have to just keep going if you love it. Yeah. Well, that's so that's true. Really it it's not that people are lacking the vision or the dream of becoming a great dancer, but it is. It's that there's these crevices or these little cracks in that path that sometimes it consumes people. Thinking about some of those people, do you know, like, did some of them just like start a family or like, did they just get disinterested? Like, what do you, what do you think it was? Just a few, they started family. Some of them, you know, you get 16, 17. I've been at that point too in my life. Then you suddenly have a girlfriend and then you ask yourself, you know, why do I do this? I could be laying at the pool right now and it's, you know, why am I going to the studio now and do my cha-cha-cha for the, for, for the fifth time? Others, they, they, they didn't want to make all these uh, compromises. They, they just wanted to, yeah, to enjoy life without having to practice every day. And some of them, you know, changed partner for the fourth time. Uh, <laughs> that didn't work out. So, yeah, in the, end, in the end, there's always a reason. They couldn't find a partner. Results were not good and so on. Yeah, but like I said, I really think results, they will change. Maybe it's also not enough what you put in 
from your own side what you put in. I also been complaining about results. My my teacher told me you don't practice enough. Mm. That's the reason. It's not the judges. It's you. <laughs> so in the end, yeah. That's but funny. I think it's okay. I think it's absolutely okay to make mistakes if you learn out of them and change it. I think it's great. So if you were talking to a group of new uh, professional competitors. What's like your things, like your words of wisdom to them? Because I love that, you know, that you were, you said you were the worst out of that group and now you're the only ones that are still dancing. Like what would be like your message to like, like those new partnerships that are out there? First of all, I think it's really important to find a small circle of, of your own team, people who you trust. And um, so I felt always that I was in a very safe, good environment and I trusted them. Hmm. I really trusted them. So that was very important to me. And then, yeah, develop the discipline, a discipline of repetition to keep on doing, keep on working on yourself. Just to understand that that um, your plan to become a good dancer, I, I think is much, much bigger than one result. A result can change. Yeah, M- make sure to trust your partner and to work together with your partner. And I always thought uh, other partners are better and let's split with this one. <laughs> but in the end, I really understood it's the same thing, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's also sometimes me than them. But uh, in the end of the day, with all the arguments you get through in dancing, in the end, you're both here for the same thing. You both love dancing. Hmm. And the That's worst thing is to find a partner who is just like you. That's the worst. Let them be different. <laughs> and yeah. then I think it can work out. But the worst, the worst is if they're the same like you. <laughs> and that was, I was, I was looking for that for so long. So, so many years. Like, oh, she's very strange. She's very different. Mm. I need to change. <laughs> you know? And then, and so then you had someone that was like you. Like what happened? No, no, I think I think in many ways different, which was Xenia, my last partner. Yeah, I think we're very different in many ways. So obviously, we have also some similarities, but we are very different in many, many ways. And that was that's interesting. And that makes it work because sometimes you want to give up and she's pulling you through or the other way around. So true. I think that you need to have that. You, you have to have that friction to, you know, my wife always says you need friction to create momentum. And uh, we had our share of, of friction in practice, but I think it also... <laughs> It creates these catalysts. No one comes up with a solution if you never run into any problems. And I, I love what you just said. Like if you if you had someone that was just like you, you'd quit at the same time. That's so true. For sure. Because like one thing, definitely what we were very different, like we could argue and practice like great, like great argument, I tell you. Hmm. And uh, for me, when I go home, by the time we went home, I would still be upset. Yeah. If necessary, for a week. The reason would be <laughs> because she did not straight the knees in the, in the rumba. So, <laughs> but the good thing was we would go home and five minutes later, Xenia would ask me what do you want for dinner. Hmm. For her, it was only dancing. For me, it was everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it, that's what I'm saying. If we would have been the same, we would have talked for a week afterwards. <laughs> Ten minutes after, what do you mean argument? No, that was past. That was in the studio. Now we're home. Wow. And I was like, oh, mm, mm, really? Okay. <laughs> so, so in that way, it, it works. And then, um, but again, I had other partners where they were very similar and we would argue and we wouldn't talk for three days because oh of that thing would happen on Monday. So that's fine. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And I love what you said that it's just, it's these emotional things that really don't matter in the end. And, uh, you know, when do you feel like, you know, and I always feel like in some ways, like for dancers, it's a lot like athletes, you know, in, in football or, you know, basketball or something. And, and 
and it's it's after they've retired and then they look back and they and now they can become these great coaches or they just have this different vantage point they know how to conserve their energy and they get smarter even though they're not maybe as athletic like when was that point for you where you where the the light kind of went on and 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 things started to kind of line themselves up and like you said you you became like mentally stronger I think it happened that after when I retired, it happened a lot when I started to judge competitions. I realized that on the competition, it doesn't really matter because me as a judge now, I don't look at that. Yeah. And there was many, <laughs> many things. So I was like, oh my God, how silly I was, you know, like I was worried of so many things. And in the end, they don't really matter at all. I think there's a lot of things when you are not competing and performing yourself and you're, you're, you're more enjoying and coaching from the outside you get a better eye what is really necessary and what is not necessary at all. Yeah. Yeah. They um, are in our area we would have like a, a weekend convention for all the, all the teachers and executives. They, we would do a Jack and Jill and uh-huh. they take all of the active. Now it's like all of the people that are judges, but they would, they used to take all the active competitors that were rising star, you know, semifinalists, up to open semifinalists and up and they'd have them be the judges of the Jack and Jill just uh-huh. so everyone can experience what it really looks like. And it, that, yeah, great. like what you just said, it's just like, it's so eye opening how, how the, the little minor detail that you're so obsessed with and you're, and you're willing to go to war over how nobody, right. can, no one can see it. You know, it's so funny. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's great. I think it's really, really good because it, 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 it gives the competitors a chance way, way before they retire to find out, um, you know, actually it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh gosh. I wish if I, I if I could have had that lesson, you know, five yeah. years earlier. Oh my God. <laughs> Me too. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's talk really quick about just, you know, I, I think we, we have to include something about your brother and just that dynamic and how, you know, I think what's interesting, like this, the correlation is that like, you know, you guys have both independently of each other really developed your own careers. Um, and I'm sure that when you see the stuff, you know, that, that he's doing and, and, and then the, I'm sure that when he sees the stuff and kind of following in your footsteps, did you, did you feel like early on, like that he would stick with dancing the way that you were sticking with it? Like, how do you feel like that all from, from a, from a big brother standpoint, how do you feel like that all transpired for him? Actually, yeah, I, ne- I never thought that, that Rudy would stop. I mean, he was always, he always had good partnerships and he was um, very successful, especially in, in ballroom. So that is one thing already, which we were different because I, we, I did ballroom too, but I never really, really liked it. So I stick with Latin and my, uh, for Rudy, for Rudy was the other way around. He stick with ballroom. He was really good at it. Maybe it's the size. He's lot. He's taller. You know, <laughs> yeah. in the Latin. <laughs> but in but in but in ballroom, they also were um, very quickly successful. That was, I think, it helps. It helps when you have success because then you want more and you you continue working. Yeah, I'm the oldest of four, and there's like a season where I remember my brother and I playing soccer, or the you know there would be things that we'd have these common interests in, but it's usually kind of goes in different directions. And uh, so yeah. neat to see that you guys have, you're on like a parallel track, even though, you know, one's Latin and one's ballroom. And that's true. The only funny thing was once I then got into the Arthur Murray world, I got introduced as Rudy's brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me? It's like, this is Marcus. Marcus who? Marcus home. Oh, I don't know him. Rudy's brother. Ah, here we go. It's like, really? And that, and that happened about 40 times that, that competition. I was like, he's three years younger. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm just, sure that's I, why I'm sure he was introduced all his life as Marcus's brother, right? I think before, yeah. And now I get it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't even bother when I see when I see guys in the bottom worlds here in the in the standard world in America. I'm Rudy's brother. Oh, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, are there people in the in the DJ world that I'm sure there's people that have no idea of your dance career? Like, is that something that you have to explain to them or you just leave it out? Mm, some people, they know. Um, it's funny because sometimes promoters, when they book me to clubs, they, they look up some content on the internet, pictures or something. Oh, yeah. Um, to post for promotion on the on their site and then they find some dance pic, dance videos, but they all think, oh, it's another guy. Can't be right. Let's scroll down. Ignore him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same actually in dancing too. Some people, they know that I am, that I also have a musical side where I'm working on, but many dancers, they don't know about it. Yeah. It's like being a secret agent or something. I think when you were telling me the, the story of your, uh, the agency books you and tells you where to go, that immediately I started thinking of the Bourne identity or, or James Bond or something. It sounds <laughs> yeah, so yeah. provocative. <laughs> what do you have coming up? Anything in the not too distant future that's that's coming up soon on the music end? I have planned um, a release in February, in April, and in May. Always combining music and, and dancing as much as possible. And in between, when I'm home, I'm just teaching in, in our own studio and producing music, playing with my dog. <laughs> that's great. Well, uh, okay, I'm going to ask you a few just rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up. Now it's time for rapid fire questions. Okay, so first one is what is your comfort food? My comfort food. What do you mean by comfort food? Like the the dish. What do you what do you like? Maybe it's something that like you your parents cooked or something that like when you it, it just gives you that feeling like you, you feel great. Like it, maybe it's licorice oh, at the oh, movie oh, theater or it could be a, a uh, plate. Of- normally, what I really really like is the, like a good good soup for my mother. The way uh. she makes a soup that is something I also I miss sometimes because I can't do it the same way. So that is something I really. You ask Rudy, it's the same because every time he comes home from America, he asks my mother to do to do a soup. <laughs> same thing. That's great. That's great. And then, um, what's what's the last uh, movie or song that that really made you emotional or really like touched you? Mm, movies, movies. Hold on, I watch a lot of movies. What I really watched, what I thought was great, there's this, there's a TV show on Amazon Prime. I really like it. And I think I watched it in four days. It's called, it's called uh, Halt and Catch Fire. It's an old, it's an older oh, one, I think. I love that show. Yeah, it's, it's great, huh? It's a great it's show. So yeah. I know. It's so good. And I, I just finished it on my last trip when I was in Asia. I downloaded it um, on my iPad when I left and then I finished all four seasons. That was really good. I think it was, it, it, it had a nice emotional, so it was really good. I really liked it. Yeah, you know, I never, I haven't finished uh, the fourth season, but I, yeah, I, and it's interesting. Like, oh, I, the fourth one is the best. You should is it? it? Oh, really I gotta good. watch it. Okay. You have to watch it. It's really good. Nice. Okay. What's one moment, uh, dance-wise, that if if you could go back and maybe do it over again, maybe tweak something, knowing what you know right now, if you could like have a time machine and make um, edits. I think edits, I, there's nothing really, I have to say, which I regret in dancing. Even the, the times when it was difficult, there's nothing really I would change because in the end it turned out okay after. And I think it was important sometimes to hit, to hit, to hit a low because it made me rethink, you know, how to change it. And, and I, I quite like that to find a way to make it work again for you. So there's nothing really I would change. 
if I can say that. And a moment wow. I would like to experience one more time is um, yeah, the first time in Blackpool at the, at the British Open hmm. when we made the final. When we made the final in pro, I think that was a really nice feeling. And if, if it would be nice to feel that one more time. But <laughs> so, uh, all right, last question now. What would you say to someone maybe has the the passion, but maybe they're they're lacking some of that that motivation to keep it going? Um, you know, what would you say to them? Always remember why you started. You know, why why did you start, or what what made you what made you fall in love with this in the first place? I think that is very important, and uh, it's the, in my case, I can say the whole the whole music side. It was never a business. It was never about having a career a, a career with it. It was I was in love with music, and I was lucky, and I'm very happy about it, and very thankful about it that I can make it a part of my career, and it it it's it's gone good and. Hopefully it can go even better than that. I'm very thankful for this, but that was never my plan. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I would never choose to do only dancing or only music, because I think it's nice that you have this alternative that you can choose a little bit in between. And I, and I really like that. And I think it's very, very important. Anything you do, just think back why you started and what is it you like about dancing. And that in, in many times I, I asked myself that in the past when I thought, oh, it's so terrible. Let's stop with it. Let's do something else. But what would be gone? Lots of things would be missing in my life. And then together with the team, you trust, you can make a battle plan together. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for making the time. I know that you are a busy, busy guy and, uh, and I really appreciate it. It was, uh, it was great hearing more about your story. And I think there's so many people that can really uh, just vibe off of it and, and get something out of it. And, and it's it's cool to see the parallel uh, it's so often that i feel like i'm talking and i'm trying to create the parallel between dancing and anything else that people are doing and it's so neat that you're you're actually doing that and you're like living both those lives i think that's so unique yeah thank you thank you thank you very much for having me it's been really cool yeah talking about this make me make me actually think about many things i haven't been thinking about for a long time <laughs> like, yeah, like really your like your mom's cool. soup <laughs> In a hobby like ballroom dancing, one bad result can be the end of the hobby. If there's one thing that you took from Marcus's interview, it's that the result is always just a bonus. But first and foremost, the guy is following his heart and letting everything else fall where it may. Whether that's with dancing, being a DJ, either way, this guy is such a great example of what can happen if you continually see mistakes as an opportunity and a process that's just an extension of your passion. My name is Chris Lynham. Thank you so much for tuning in to Off the Floor, where we look at things outside of the world of dancing and how they just might compare to your hobby.